In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last Sunday was, for our gospel, we had the gospel, the parable of the Great Supper, in which the invited guests who refused to come were replaced by other guests. Today's gospel shows us what some of these other guests look like, namely, quote, those in the streets and lanes of the city. St. Luke writes, quote, that all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. On the lips of a first century Pharisee, the word sinner meant essentially a non-observant Jew, someone who didn't eat a kosher diet or worked in a profession that was deemed unclean or engaged in behaviors the Torah prescribed or didn't show up at the synagogue for prayers or at the temple for the required feasts. In the language of the Pharisee, who represented first-century Orthodox Judaism, the word sinner contrasted with the word righteous. Righteous was a technical term for an observant Jew, one who observed the Torah through the lens of the tradition that had developed in the time between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. A key word for this righteous designation was zeal. Being righteous was defined as having zeal for the Torah, which meant that you vehemently, and sometimes, as in the case of the pre-conversion Saul of Tarsus, violently opposed those who flouted the demands of the Torah and the tradition. Jesus did not eat with tax collectors and sinners because he took a soft line on sin. Rather, Jesus ate with the sinners because he rejected the Pharisees' definitions of sinner and righteous. Despite their religious zeal, Jesus did not see the Pharisees as righteous at all. One of the most scathing chapters of the New Testament, Matthew 23, is devoted to unmasking the sins of the Pharisees. Here's a sampling. Jesus said, quote, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also appear outwardly righteous to men, but inside are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. To put it another way, when Jesus went to the home of Simon the Pharisee for dinner in Luke chapter 7, 
he did not see himself as eating with righteous people in contrast to his meal with the tax collectors and sinners. Rather, he saw himself as eating with sinners of another sort. The difference between the Pharisees and those labeled sinners was not in the way God looked at them. The difference was in the way they looked at themselves. The tax collectors and sinners knew that there was distance between themselves and God. They knew they needed forgiveness. The scribes and Pharisees thought they were entitled to God's favor, and they were wrong. Religion is frequently thought of as a generically good thing or as a generically bad thing, depending upon your perspective. The Bible views religion as a temptation as well as a potentially good thing. The danger of religion is that it presents a temptation to substitute exterior religious activities for genuine interior transformation. The work of interior transformation requires an examination of our motives as well as our behaviors. This means being aware of how we can do good things for self-centered and even sinful reasons. 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us that any motive other than love renders our religious activities worthless. Thus, just a modicum of self-awareness reveals that the Holy Spirit has a lot of interior work to do in all of us, that we are sinners who are a long way from being truly righteous. <clears throat> Religion can become a way of avoiding the dark motives, deep wounds, and anger that is in our hearts. We can pour ourselves into religious activities and charitable works as a way of avoiding our interior disorder and sin. As Jesus said of the Pharisees, we can outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly be full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Religion can be a defense mechanism. We are afraid to face and work through our disordered thoughts, emotions, and motives. So we avoid that authentic religious work by busyness. Busyness serves the idol of productivity, which is its own religion. If we keep moving and keep working, we will get stuff done, and we will never have to stop and face ourselves. To practice true religion, we must stop and come to the feast, like the tax collectors and sinners in the gospel. We must bring our hidden sins, dark motives, anger, sadness, self-pity, and disorder into our fellowship with Jesus. We must turn these into honest confessions and humble prayers for healing. This is the door to our hearts that we must open 
to feast with Jesus. As Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, quote, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Being honest about what is hidden in our hearts and minds is hard, especially when we've been taught for a lifetime to value appearances above all things, to avoid conflicts at all costs, and to choose painkillers over the hard work of real healing. Making things appear nice is easier. However, the religion of appearances never changes anything. It keeps the sin and disorder out of sight and away from God's healing power. True interior religion produces saints, along with a growing interior experience of God's peace and God's joy. The religion of appearances produces Pharisees, along with a surface smile and an insufferable niceness that hides the interior anger and discontent. That Jesus welcomed tax collectors and sinners is often taken to mean that he did not care much about sin. This is false. Jesus taught and exhibited a paradoxical balance between grace and holiness, between what Martin Thornton calls sucker and demand. This is succinctly summarized in the words of Jesus to the woman caught in adultery in John 8. Quote, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus did for the tax collectors and sinners what he does for all of us, for all sinners. He says, follow me. As we walk with him in a life of prayer and discipleship, Jesus changes us. It is a slow work that requires patience and perseverance. We grow in our repentance as we see ourselves ever more clearly in the light of Christ. As we grow in self-knowledge through prayer, we grow in our repentance, in our experience of God's grace. Our experience of God's love for us as we really are, with all our warts and flaws and wounds. God already knows those things are there and already loves us as we are. The change occurs when we accept God's love for us as we are. This requires humility. Our pride holds on to our false sense of who we are. That is, who we want to be or who we wish we were. Our pride works hard to maintain the religion of appearances that keeps the dark part of ourselves hidden. Humility is surrender to God's grace. As St. Peter says in our epistle, quote, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
as we grow in our experience of God's love for us as we really are, we grow in our ability to love others as they really are. As we accept our own wounds, God's love for us there, we can do the same for other people. And we grow in our desire to be holy. We become less concerned with earning God's favor or doing good works for the sake of appearance. We become more concerned with responding to our experience of God's love and grace with love towards others and with obedience to God's commandments. But this process of change always begins with grace, always begins by eating with Jesus as sinners and experiencing again the truth that our sins are forgiven and that we are embraced by Jesus just as we are, right here, right now. As Jesus says in the Gospel, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.